Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Oh, this is a co-host, Gino Bacola on the Mike Abadir Show with the main man, Mike, like always. And we have made it to the NFL playoffs in a year where we weren't quite sure if we'd get there. No games actually got canceled. Few might have uh, might have been better off if they were. A few games got postponed and had uh, some issues, but we are here to, I think what they're calling, Mike, the uh, super wild card round where we're going to have three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday, a first weekend of the NFL playoffs, unlike we've ever seen. I'm curious to hear whether or not the NFL is going to go to this on a permanent basis. Uh, I wouldn't mind, actually. Yeah. Oh, they will. Yeah. Uh, they're gonna. They're gonna add an eighth. They're gonna add an eighth. They'll add an eighth too. There'll be another one soon. I sort of like the fact that one team still gets a buy, so that that first team because gets rewarded. But uh, it. I wouldn't be sure. The, the more games they're gonna add another at some point, and they'll have You know, they'll have sixteen in there, and there'll be eight eight games. There'll be four and four. I, I really wouldn't be shocked if that happens in the next few years because everybody loves the NFL. Everybody's going to watch. And hey, it's not watered down. There are all of these matchups are good. There are one or two teams that aren't great teams that they got in. That happens every year in the playoffs. There were probably a couple of good teams on the other side uh, in the AFC that got left out. So it, I, I'm I mean, really lucky. I think it's good when you have like a 10 win Miami team. That makes the playoffs, but I think it's bad when you on those years where you have like an eight and eight team, you know, like the Bears or eight yep. and eight Arizona. You know, you have a seven and nine division winner already. The, divi- the division one yeah, doesn't, doesn't bother like, me. Oh man, yeah. just too saturated. You know, the the division one doesn't bother me because it's going to happen, right? Like it's inevitable that if you're going to get division winners in there. So there's going to be years where there's are just crappy divisions, whether it be injury, just bad teams, they have a tough schedule, who knows, whatever it was. And that division was just bad this year, plain and simple. Whoever would have made it from that division was going to be one of the weaker teams. The thing that I actually, as far as making the game uh, of Washington against Tampa a good game, they actually do well some of the things that might frustrate Tampa. And that's, and that's why I'm sort of glad Washington ended up making it in. Because if you were to look at Washington, the Giants, the Eagles, and the Cowboys, and you were to look at those four teams and say, what is the best unit that any of those teams has? You'd probably say the Washington defense. And, and they feel like they can actually win you a game and, and go score some points for you and maybe put a little pressure on Brady. So I think even though they're an eight, eight and a half point underdogs in some spots, their defense is good enough to keep them in the game. It's just really strange seeing an eleven and five team, you know, on the road, uh, going on the road and playing a home field advantage seven and nineteen. What happened with the uh, Saints and the the Seahawks, right? Right and when, uh, yeah, yep, right when um, yeah, no, uh, yeah, Pete Carroll was just starting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, you know who's going to have a lot of thoughts about this is our first guest, longtime friend of mine, longtime NFL scout. I've known him from my days of the Raiders when he was a scout over there and. And when he scouted some of my players that were 
clients of mine on the Raiders. He's been with the Dolphins. He's been with the Giants. I know I'm forgetting one team has also been in the uh, on the executive side of things with the uh, CFL. And now he does two things. He is with Map Sports, is the owner president of that. And he also does a lot of scouting, reporting, TV, radio, et cetera, with the NFL Draft Bible, who I know will have a big announcement in about a week or so. So we'll hold off on that. I'm talking about David Turner. Dave, how are you, buddy? Hey, David. Hey, guys. How are you? That was quite an introduction. You make me seem a lot more important than I am. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, th- there's very few people that know football like you do. I mean, it's a very select group. I mean, when you think about no, it, right? I've, people that have been long-time yeah, NFL I've been scouts. Sure, guys, you know? And, and, and you're, you're yeah. one of those and so props to you. Yeah, Mike, no, I've been well-traveled again. You know, I started in 2002, way back then, and under Rick Spielman and George Payton at the Dolphins, and then, you know, I've been under Gettleman at the Giants, Mr. Davis at the Raiders, like you said, and then through the UFL, um, the CFL and arena football. So I've seen football on so many different levels and so many different angles, from just an assistant to an area scout to a director, you know? Yeah, I was just saying, you had a client in the Arena League, too. I forgot about that, in Arizona. Yeah, we went to some titles when I was uh, thinking we were moving through there at the uh, Arizona Rattlers. Yeah, you guys were, what, uh, back-to-back-to-back champs? Yes, we were, actually. Well, then, you are the perfect guy about all things NFL, so let's get right to it, man. Um, First, wanted to ask you about something that Gino and I were just talking about during the intro, which is the uh, playoff format for this 2020 season. What do you think of it? Do you like it? One extra special number one spot, number one seed gets that really, really elusive one week by home field throughout. And then there's the two through seven. Do you like it? Do you think the NFL will stay with it? You know, as a football fan, I love it because the more the football, the better, right? So, you know, as a football fan, I love it, and uh, you know, triple head our games on Saturday and Sunday. It's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be great. You know, as a personal exec, I like it because it gives more people opportunity to earn playoff bonuses. So that's great too. <laughs> so we'll True. we'll see how it all it um it all works out and how it all plays out. You know, it being the first inaugural season, um, we'll see how many injuries come of it. We'll see. Uh, if it truly affects if the games are worthwhile of playing or not, you know? So sure. let, let, let me give it a, a question right now, just over like off the top uh, right now is to the two teams with the, uh, with the buys green Bay with, uh, with, with KC, we won't be seeing them come up this weekend. Do you think they are head and shoulders, the two best teams and the teams that we are most likely to see in the Super Bowl, or uh, is, was it, would there be another team or two right now that you would pick as maybe your personal favorite uh, right now, early on? Well, I'll say my preseason picks were the Seattle Seahawks versus the Indianapolis Colts. So I'm still nice. alive with my preseason picks. Got a shot. Picks. I think the yeah. Odyssey- yeah. yeah, and they got shots. They got legitimate shots. The, the thing that sucks is that the Colts are rolling in to play one of the hottest teams in football right now, the Buffalo Bills. So I really like what the Bills do on defense. I think they have two of the best safeties and safety tandems right now, which is incredible, you know, winning your 
making coverages and being in the right spots, all that stuff in the back end. You're seeing them do everything right. So right now, you're, you know, that's something that, you know, my preseason pick might get picked off a little early here uh, because I do like what the Bills are doing there. In the NFC, to me, it's a little less dramatic. It's a little less. I don't see that as competitive. I see that, you know, Green Bay is rolling. It's going to give them a week being healthy. And I, I think, you know, obviously the Buccaneers were applauding a great deal when they got the, you know, the team of the NFC East to go play because, you know, right now, I mean, literally, let's be honest, watching that game, you know, the, the, rest, the Washington football team did everything they could to give the game away. But, you know, the Eagles just did more to, to lose the game. So, you know, that's a situation where the Buccaneers can get hot quick. Todd Bowles has that defense rolling uh, really strongly. So, you, you know, for me, though, I have my two teams that I'll be rooting for, which is Indy and, uh, and Seattle, seeing if they can, they can uh, come back and make it happen for me. You know what was an unintended consequence of uh, the playoff expansion, guys? And I don't know if anybody's talked about this or if people will talk about this, you know, leading up to the games or after the weekend's over. But I can't recall off the top of my head, and I haven't gone back to look it up. Every matchup in the AFC, actually, let's see here. Excuse me. Every every matchup on Sunday, the Ravens-Titans, Bears-Saints, Browns and Steelers, had faced each other during this regular season already. So every one of those is a rematch. On, on the Saturday games, the uh, Rams and the Seahawks, obviously, as division rivals, this is going to be game number three. So basically, out of the, the six games this weekend, four are rematches. Is that something that we want in the NFL? Or these, or Because before, it was kind of like the baseball feel, right? You're having teams that probably didn't meet each other in the regular season face off. But does this kind of oversaturate it when you do that? I don't know if it oversaturates it or not. I think the divisional matchups when they pair up for a third straight time, or like last weekend when we saw the Steelers end the season with, with the Browns and now they're running it back two weeks, two weekends in a row, you know. To me, that's kind of like a little anti-comradic because especially last weekend the Steelers arrested everybody, and now this week, unfortunately, uh, Kevin Stefanski, you know, he's not going to be able to coach. I, I mean, my, in my opinion, Kevin is the coach of the year. No disrespect to Ron, what he went through with the cancer and everything he's done there. But Kevin Stefanski, what he did in Cleveland, I mean, we know how long, 18 years out of the playoffs, a complete culture needed rehaul there, just the transition. And in one year, under all the adversity of COVID uh, protocols and everything, he got the Cleveland Browns to, what, 11 wins? I mean, that's just amazing. And let's not, you know, obviously let's not forget what's happening in Miami where uh, Chris Greer and the, and the guys down there, they got that team to 10 wins, one of a few 10-win teams that don't make the playoffs. So, um, you know, usually you get 10 and you're in, and they're, they're at, what, 10 and 6 and they missed it. So, you know, that's a heck of a job they're doing down there in Miami too. But, and if I had a vote in Coach of the Year, it would be Kevin Stefanski and what he's been able to do in one really adversely laid season there in Cleveland. Yeah, I know that about that. In fact, you had actually uh, tweeted, I've, I was just seeing this right now, about uh, Elliot Wolf's tweet. Elliot Wolf's, you know, uh, current title of the Patriots is what your tweet was. Um, one, of the, one of the guys that helped build this team. 
Right. I mean, if you look at what's going on in the uh, Cleveland Browns, I mean, it was really what Dorsey, uh, Elliott, and, and Alonzo kind of put into play and how they were building that team, you know, to come to maturation. I think, again, the misstep was hiring a friend for head coach last year, a guy that couldn't change the team around and couldn't go through and um, change the culture from the locker room uh, as a coach and with Freddie Kitchens. So I think that was the misstep for Dorsey and those guys last year. You know, I think that, but I, you know, last year George Payton interviewed for the GM job and he really wanted to come over with the fans because he believed in the coach and that the coach could do something like we're seeing. And he liked the personnel and stuff. So when I was talking to George last year, I was like, wow, you're really fired up about this. He's like, yeah, I want, I want the job, which again, for me was a surprise because usually Cleveland's a place for personnel people to go to die. So when he was excited about it, I was like, wow, now we're seeing why. True. So bottom line, you guys are okay with seeing the Browns and Steelers for a third time, a couple of consecutive weeks, Rams and Seahawks for a third time. You know, the Bears-Saints matchup was kind of more in the middle of the year. Uh, that was a close game. It was without Breeze, 26-23. And then the Ravens-Titans was, uh, I don't remember if it was a blowout or not, but I think the close the game got close scoring-wise at the end, 30-24. to 24. So you guys you guys are both cool with that, Gino? Yeah, it doesn't bother me. Uh, I don't mind seeing um, the games over and over. It's just a different strategy. And, we, we, it, and I think that, honestly, all of the matchups, I think, are pretty good. We only have one or two games on paper that, you know, like we said with Washington and, may, and the Bears, maybe the two teams that we question how they snuck in. But, like, looking over on the AFC side, I would I was going to be really excited for another Pittsburgh-Cleveland game with Cleveland kind of having the opportunity to play in a game that felt like there would have been not as much pressure on them. Felt like the pressure for them was kind of getting in. And now they would have been able to go play against a Pittsburgh team that they just beat last week, even though they were sitting Ben and some of their other starters. And it would have felt like, oh, you know, they, they don't have as much pressure on them because everybody expects Pittsburgh to beat them this week. We're only a three and a half point underdog. Now that line has moved up to six and I think it's probably going to even get up to seven with all the the COVID issues. But I I don't, yeah, as far as the repeat games, it it doesn't bother me. And I actually think the the matchups are all, are all pretty darn good in particular, you know, one that David was talking about a, a second ago, like that first game, that indie Buffalo game, that is a really, really good first playoff game. Normally that opening Saturday early game is like the worst two teams. It's a really bad game that you don't want to watch. That That is not the case this year. No, I think actually NBC got hosed on the matchups that they got. The last games of each night, to me, are kind of the most anticlimactic, whereas Lackluster. the morning game and the afternoon game seem to be the best. Yeah, that Buccaneers-Washington game, you know, um, I'm not sure what what to expect out of it. I do know this. If Tom Brady loses to a 7-9 and nine team in the playoffs, not saying it's going to hurt his legacy or anything like that, but I think it would be a very much a failed season in, in, in Tampa. You know, I don't see that Brady and them are going to lose a game. Like I said, I think on defense – Washington is very impressive. Their rush and what they're doing on defense is very impressive. But what's going on on the offense is just kind of atrocious. They need to fix that up. I know Eric Stokes came over from Carolina this year. They're, they're going to hire a GM of some sorts. Could it be Marty? Could it be Mark Kantz? Who knows? You know, it could be somebody else. But, uh, you know, I would even imagine Coach bringing in somebody he knows from Carolina he's comfortable with to help run that side of the ball and, uh, 
and you know they'll get it fixed on offense. They got some draft capital and stuff, so it's not a, and they're not too far off because that defense is stacked. Okay, speaking of defenses, who's got the best defense in the uh, in the playoffs, in your estimation? NFC or AFC? Um, give us each. Well, NFC, I really, you know, again, I think Washington's got one of the best defenses that we've seen, even though the Saints are, you know, ranked up there and doing really well. They've been showing ability to obviously get after the pass rusher this year. Cam Jordan and those guys down there have been doing a great job. The Bears, you know, you can never count their defense out. Just McDonald's always got them dialed in. So, you know, for me, I think you see some really good defenses there. But to, on the NFC side, if I were to say I want to take one defense and just play with that, and let's not underestimate Todd Bowles. He's got them ginned up, too. I like what Washington's really been doing on defense because that's where they're winning their games right now on defense. Um, when you go AFC and I'm looking in the playoffs, geez, that's a little different. Um, yeah, and, wa- and just to, like kind of, uh, to piggyback your yeah, point, ahead, Washington, you know. which is Washington actually has the number three overall total DVOA defense, uh, defensive rating. So they are right, right there uh, as you expect. I mean, they're really good against the pass. They're above average against the rush. They just do everything well, and they have the playmakers that can actually score on the defensive side of the ball. Right, and, yeah, and you know, it's, it's silly up front. It's just silly. Like, their pass rush is just silly. So, uh, but on, on the AFC side, you know, jeez, ah, I'm not trying. You know, I, I like what Indianapolis is doing on defense. It's a really a team concept defense. It's one in which, you know, they have to win together. They don't have a lot of standouts besides Leonard, the middle linebacker, right? Um, but Buffalo is probably my favorite defense right now. All together, they got a great up-front push. Good, good linebacker. So I'll have to go with Buffalo as an overall concept and defensive personnel and everything for AFC. Yeah, I'd, I'd say out of the playoff field, guys, I, in my estimation, the top three defenses are all in the NFC. In Washington, as, as you both have talked about, the Rams and the Saints. I think those are the top three defenses in the uh, NFL playoff tournament. Those are in, in yeah. what what... The metrics, uh, the the DVOA metrics I've been re- referencing too. When they do a weighted DVOA, they they um they give a little bit more credence to the games in the second half of the season. So what have you been doing lately? And those are the top three teams. The Rams are one. The New Orleans is two. Washington's three. Uh, as far as as far as uh, that's concerned. So those those defenses have been playing the best as of late, no doubt about it. And they've been top ten defenses all throughout the year off of what what i'm seeing and, and what i feel and it matches you know? that it matches that perfectly so yeah that's 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 it that's when the stats match what you see that's when they work out perfectly when you can you know use those advanced metrics and they complement what you're seeing then you kind of say oh nice i my eyes work and those stats work right <laughs> yeah exactly well that's how hey, analytics hey, is supposed to work break, but you know, right? you know, this, we yeah. can get into that on another show yeah <laughs> <laughs> hey dave can you hang with us until after this commercial break oh absolutely Awesome. We're talking to Dave Turner, longtime NFL football guru. We'll take a quick commercial timeout. We'll be back talking more NFL football. Stay with us. Follow- 
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show, coming back from our, our break with guest Dave Turner. And we're talking all about uh, the NFL playoffs coming up this week, going through some of the matchups overall, who we like to win. And, uh, you know, Mike, um, I, I I don't know if you have a, your overall prediction or your overall uh um, you know, one seed, but do you think David's uh, David's Colts and David's Seahawks have a shot? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I, I think both of them have tough, a tough road a- ahead, right? Um, the Seahawks really are their own worst enemy because it, it's really strange. When their defense has played the best, it seems like the, their offense hasn't uh, been yeah. as exciting. Right? Maybe the early part of the season. They haven't right? been a full like a, a a well-oiled machine at, at like at any point of the year. Their offense seemed to be really, really high powered at one point. Mm-hmm. But and the defense was terrible. The defense was absolutely terrible. It got a little bit better, but it seems like they can never really put it together against the really, really good teams. Because at one point they were looking like, you know, Russell Wilson's MVP, that this team could go 14 and 2. I knew that wasn't going to be the case. You knew that wasn't going to be the case because of their defense. And I still think defense wins ball games in the NFL. Like more so this year, maybe than ever before, because let's face it, most of the teams have their franchise quarterback in this playoff field, really outside of the bears and in Washington, every team, maybe, you know, there's question marks like golf, or Rivers in terms of how long he's going to be around, et cetera. But, I mean, for the most part, every team has got an established NFL quarterback. No question. Yeah, I think, Mike, kind of, uh, well, I, mean, I, I think you guys are right with the uh, combination of Seahawks having some trouble with, you know, getting a whole game plan together. But, you know, for me, I think what John Schneider and the crew have done up there, you know, drafting, getting, uh, was it, Carlos Dunlap at the trade deadline and going to get Jamal, trying to fix and plug up some holes on defense, mm-hmm. might actually work and do well for them. And again, Russ can cook. We all know he can cook, and we just hope that what he's got cooking this weekend 
you know, uh, is, is, is strong because they have a really tough matchup against the Rams. So, and who knows what's going to happen to the Rams, to be honest, with their quarterback situation. I mean, the kid came out last week and had a good game, solid game plan and everything. But now defensive coordinators got a little look at them, and they, they can uh, kind of start the game plan now they know what they're going to do with the young buck if golf can't play. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point, and we'll get into maybe the the, the draft uh, a little bit later on. I was going to ask <laughs> you, uh, the Ravens and Titans is a very intriguing matchup. Both are 11-5 and five teams. As I mentioned earlier, this is a rematch. Uh, I think what's intriguing about this one is the Titans made it a lot farther than people expected last year. So I think coming into this year, they probably – came in with a lot of confidence. They had some road bumps along the way. You know, uh, we've talked until we're blue in the face about the Titans' COVID mishaps, uh, you know, during the season. The Ravens have had issues as well. But to me, what's fascinating is that Tannehill was able to reinvent himself and get his career back on track. And on the other side, you have a quarterback who is an MVP-type guy and maybe took a little bit of a step back I'm a little bit uncertain about his passing skills consistency in the NFL. How, how, how do you how do you see Lamar Jackson's evolution as a passing quarterback, Dave? You know, Greg Roman does a great job managing him. You know, Greg was the offense coordinator there in San Francisco under Kaepernick, and they do a really good job with him. And like in San Francisco, he runs a lot of twelve personnel using the tight ends in which they have a couple really nice tight ends there at the Ravens. So it, it helps him out, give him big targets, big catch radiuses, you know, very friendly guys to throw to when he is asked to throw. Um, you know, I don't think he's got the best overall accuracy. Let's just be honest about that. But I think his accuracy is good. And, I mean, shoot, they rushed for 404 yards last week. If they can do that again, what an amazing feat it's going to be. And, you know, the Titans don't have the best pass defense, as we saw last weekend. You know, Deshaun Watson was able to make some plays really quickly on them and get them back down the field, uh, you know, with some, you know, without too much pass rush in his face and stuff. So, you know, when I'm looking at this game, it's not so much who's going to be able to throw the ball the best. To me, it's who's going to be able to be running consistently the best and consistently run through um, the, other per- the other team's defense. Um, when you look at that, that's going to put, you know, the defensive coordinators on, you know, on cue. And we got uh, Wink Martindale, who's trying to get a head coaching job. He interviewed for the New York Gi- Giants last year. And uh, a lot of people have been kind of mystified why he's not on the, on the list some more this year. So for me, I think he's going to come out and want to do a staple, you know, look at me game. And he has a good defensive stop to run. Pass rush and stuff he's had to generate through blitzes. So, you know, if it's a situation where he can stop the run and force Tannehill to put the ball, you know, in his hands and do some things, he's, and again, Tannehill's got skills and got weapons. Don't get me wrong. He was able to unload the Adam Gase anchor that kills all quarterbacks, you know. Um, so I think that's why we're seeing him being able to reinvent himself and get away from uh, what happened to him down in Miami. I mean, it seems like all the players that get away from Gase seem to do better once he's out the door. So, Hey, I got a quick question for you, Dave. You had mentioned that the Ravens run their uh, 12 personnel. If you have a, a running quarterback and you've got some pretty good running backs on your team, 
you got receivers that could stretch the field, you know, Dobbins, Ingram, etc. cetera. Uh, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you run a 21? Okay. Good question. Well, you could run a 21 if you got that staple fullback that, you know, that old, you know, which we just don't see a lot of anymore. Obviously San Francisco's got a really good fullback. I think, uh, the Patriots have another really good fullback and stuff, but we don't really see that good fullback. And the reason why Roman likes 12 personnel with the two tight ends is because he can move them around. He can double them up on one side. He can outflank at the offensive line of scrimmage the defensive ends, linebackers, and stretch them just slightly by overloading a side with an extra tight end at the line of scrimmage, causing that flex out a little bit, which gives some favorable angles to the second level, some combo and scrape stuff that helps offensive linemen open up wider rush lanes and getting your, your running back to the second, even third level quicker. So the 12 personnel will, will widen you out a little bit. 21 keeps you compact, keeps the defense kind of loaded in the box in a traditional format and way. So the 12 stretches that out a little bit more. So I think that's why Greg likes it. Um, you know, a little, we spent a little time together in San Francisco, and I've listened to him talk offense a little bit, and I think that's why he likes 12 better. Makes sense. And, yeah, you know, the fullback is dying breed. If the, if the 49ers had a really good quarterback, I love their fullback over there, probably no better team to run a 21, especially with a Shanahan kind of uh, in charge over there. Uh, let's let's just rattle off winners, man. Uh, starting from Saturday in chronological order, give us winners: Colts, Bills. I'm rooting for the Colts. I feel the Bills are going to win, though. Rams, Seahawks. Rooting for the Seahawks, but and I think the Seahawks are going to pull that game out. Better quarterback play will bring them through. Bucks or that football team. I'm going to go with the Bucks again. Better offense, better defense. I'm sorry, better offense in this game. Defenses are going to be the, the telltale here. Ravens-Titans. Ooh, here's a good one. Oh, man, this one's tough. You know, I really like the Titans' run game, but the, but I know Wink's dialing it up over there. That one's going to be hard for me. I'm going to go with Ravens, but in a close one. I could be wrong there. Saints, Bears. I think the Saints. I mean, Drew Brees and the boys are, are ginning, and you saw that last week. And the defense there, like I said, once they've been able to get a lead and force teams into throwing the ball, they've been getting home on the quarterback. And I think, you know, Trubisky's been showing some good stuff the last four weeks. But this is a defense that's kind of thriving. They're at home. I'm going to give you the Saints. And then the finale for the weekend, hopefully the makeup game for NBC uh, uh, after they're done on Saturday. Cleveland being in the first, uh, being in the playoffs for the first time in a long time against a playoff regular, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I got to pick the Steelers in this one mainly because the fancy is not going to be calling the plays. He's not going to be on the field, and I believe that coach knows when to call what at what times. And as much prep as you can do, it's just not going to matter. Also, the Steelers have been able to go through normal practice weeks and do everything normally to prepare for this game. Cleveland has not had one practice. The quarterback, from my understanding, hasn't been able to throw the ball one time. He hasn't been able to get together with receivers 
or anything because of all the COVID stuff going on there and contract tra- contact tracing uh, keep has kept them apart all week. And we're sitting here on Thursday afternoon, and you know that's just not a good way to enter into the playoffs. Good stuff there. Now, before we ask you for a quick update on the NFL Draft Bible and what's going on in that world, uh, in your world, that is, um, let's talk a little bit about rumors and vacancies, etc. You know, growing up, my, my parents taught me to never really use skin color or ethnic background or anything like that as an obstacle to, to use it actually as a strength. Right to never go to the race card, etc. Uh, so that was kind of something that was instilled in me at a very young age to always persevere and and never use anything as an obstacle. However, we do see some obstacles for of the black community in the NFL when it comes to you know the the higher ranking positions. Is I guess I'm just going to ask point blank: Are we going to see some? Blackhead coaches fill any of these vacancies? You know, I think there's some very qualified candidates. And this year, in particular, because of the rule the NFL put into play, where if your team is in the playoffs, you cannot go physically do an interview, and whoever's going to interview you cannot come interview you physically, but you can do Zoom interviews, has given more candidates opportunity to interview for jobs because of the, the convenience of a Zoom interview. And that's helped level a lot of the playing field um, for some of these candidates to at least get in and be heard for, you know, a half hour, hour interview. So, you know, for me, I'm rooting a lot. I would love to see Raheem Morris, what he did there at the end of the year during the season, taking over in Atlanta, get an opportunity. If it's not Atlanta, maybe Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville would be a great place actually for a double hit. You can get a guy like Ray Farmer or Fontenot to come in there, help out. Um, uh, as a GM, and then you can bring in Raheem Morris or Todd Bowles to come in and help uh, situate and get going, rolling on the um, head coaching sex, uh, segment. You know, I do hear in Jacksonville, though, they want to name the coach and kind of give him power and then let him kind of fill in around him like what you saw in happen in so many places when it's come to these uh, – these young coaches getting their, their shots, He's like San Francisco and, um, you know, obviously what's happening now in Carolina with rule. But, you know, in my opinion, I think that's an owner who has fresh wounds dealing with Tom Coughlin and, and then Marone and, you know, um, David being there, Caldwell and them not getting along and all, all sorts of power struggles and things going on. Um, if Mr. Khan were to sit back, think about what is it he wants, you know, there's so many good candidates on, you know, on the field right now to talk and look look through, not only in coaching but in personnel. Uh, you know, I'm not a search firm, but if you want my opinion, feel free to give me a call. The price ticket, trust me, won't be it won't be breaking your bank, Mr. Khan. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully he's listening and uh, and can take you up on that. I mean, look, if anybody comes back and pushes back at me and says, well, what obstacles really are there? I'm not even talking about necessarily the numbers and, you know, the number of black players in the league versus the number that are in the coaching ranks, even though there's a huge discrepancy there. I'm talking about just keeping it real and being straight up about this. If you look at it, I don't, I can't imagine an NFL team given any, okay, like Spurrier 
making the jump all the way to the NFL. Saban making the jump all the way to the NFL. I mean, I can't see an NFL team bringing somebody with no NFL experience that's a great college head coach that happens to be black to make the jump. I just don't see it happening. And I think until we get to the well, day... Again, why, why hasn't David Shaw... Why hasn't David Shaw gotten that opportunity? Exactly. He's got well, NFL he's got experience. How long yeah, does he he's got NFL go experience. He's got, he's got a great team. He's a great organizer. He's a man who's been able to, you know, compile great winning seasons at Stanford over his tenure. And, you know, here's a situation where he knows plenty of personnel guys that would want to work with him. In the last, say, six years or so, I've seen, you know, minorities move up through the ranks more so than ever before. So they're starting to get into those, you know, second-level positions to now where they can make the next step, make the next move, move in there. But, again, you got a Jerry Reese with two Super Bowl rings. He made some missteps in drafting. Everybody has. And now, you know, he's still sitting out there. It's like, why has this guy not got a second opportunity, you know, uh, and you got John Dorsey, who's not a minority, but he's a guy who's basically built two playoff teams in the, you know, Kansas City Chiefs and the Cleveland Browns, and he's still sitting there. So, you know, there's a lot of great guys, great opportunities to give minorities opportunities here. Alonzo Heisman is another guy who's never been a GM, He's a young, he's a young, great evaluator that has been lying in wait for his opportunity. Okay, so just in closing here, you mentioned a lot of names, a lot of good candidates that are potentially out there. Are rumor mill? Are there going to be any openings that we are we are not aware of right now that you think will open up? Well, I hear some some whispers. Um, you know, for me, uh, the whispers are, are coming pretty heavily out of Chicago where if they're one and done, that looks like it could be a, a move on from both GM head coach. They just don't feel that they have the pair to make things work there right now. So, uh, so that's a very strong whisper. We'll see if it comes to permission. With all the jobs open, six GM jobs and six head coaching jobs, there's a lot of competition. Sometimes that competition for head coaches and stuff pump, make owners pump the brakes because that means they might have to pay a little bit more than they want to to get the guy they want or the gal they want. So, you know, we'll, we'll look into that one. And after the draft, what I'm, what I'm hearing about after the draft, a marriage that might be getting a divorce for after the draft, it could be at our old place. It could be, uh, you know, the, the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, Mike Mayock and John Gruden might be divorcing after the draft this year. Something to watch for and see if that was. Would, would that mean that Gruden, Gruden's pulling a Jimmy Johnson? Handling both? Well, yeah. Well, I, you know, I don't think it's that. I, I, you know, they got some great guys there um, on staff that I think just might be shining, and their stars might be shining a little bit brighter at this point. I don't want to put any names to that because um, I don't want to put anybody on blast, just being honest, and we'll see if it comes to fruition or not. But there are some great personnel guys in the, in, in-house that, again, they could be uh, shopping internally and just promoting them within and moving some people up and around. Okay, in 30 seconds, give us a, a quick update before we end this segment about the NFL Draft Bible, what's going on over there, what's the latest and greatest, and, uh, and a quick word on what you are doing leading up to the Combine and the draft, etc. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity again, guys, for having me on. You guys are always great. It's always fun to come talk ball with you. Uh, over at the NFL Draft Bible tomorrow night, we have Friday Night Scout School. We are taking and teaching the evaluation of how to value draft picks, draft uh, orders, and, you know, how to move up and down in the draft. 
as well as what positions are valued in draft, how you do that from personnel viewpoint, how to value free agency and free agents, and how to value trades. We're going to digest different trades that have happened recently and talk about how they've been valued and why these trades came to fruition the way they did. So that's tomorrow night's Friday Night Scout School. If anybody's interested in that, come to you know, NFLDraftBible.com, sign up for it today. I'm hosting the, Friday, uh, the morning segment tomorrow morning. We're doing our, our uh, NFL Draft Bible, and I'll be the host for tomorrow's morning segment, where it's Friday football, so you hear me do my picks for this and the national championship game, as well as John Murphy and Big Law. So we'll all be on there tomorrow. And then Saturday morning, we're still doing our Saturday morning tailgate show, kicking off NFL playoff games with, uh, with the RIC and, and the place to be, Ryan Roberts, Big Law, and Mr. Murphy, all of us there talking football, talking draft picks, talking a little bit of these uh, moves and, uh, and things that are going on around the NFL and college football. And for Maverick Sports Consulting, my uh, company I own, I'm now signing clients, books open for interview prep for the NFL Combine coming up. We do interview prep. We help prep these kids. If your kids are still, if you're a parent, you're listening. If you're an agent, you're listening. If you want a, a tape evaluation, I know some places charge you 1200 bucks, 1500 bucks to do it. I'm doing film evaluations on young men for 250 bucks just to give you an opinion from an 18-year NFL executive on if your guy should, if your young man should come out, even what his draft value will be, and help you digest uh, that information with so many choices being made right now early because the January 18th deadline's coming up. I will put my eyes on your your young player and tell you where I see him going in the draft for a mere 250 bucks. There you have it, and this is another subject for another day. But, but I'd like to see the NCAA allow guys to come back if they don't get picked up or drafted. I know that's a very, very convoluted process, but in this year, in this day and age of COVID, guys didn't get seasons in, guys didn't get full seasons in, et cetera. Um, I think it's kind of a tricky situation, even as an agent. I don't know if I should tell somebody to go back or not. Um, it's tough sledding, man, but glad to have people like you that can kind of help navigate the waters. As always, David, thank you so much. For no, thank you, Mike, Gino, everybody listening. I appreciate you so much. Thanks, buddy. Awesome. That's David Turner, Mav Sports, NFL Draft Bible. Hit him up. Got any questions, football-related business-wise, or if you're just a fan. Stay with us. We will be back for a final segment and some picks. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel. 
Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show, closing things out. Big thanks to Dave Turner there. Did a great job all over the place, talking all the games coming up for the weekend, NFL stuff, uh, and draft stuff, you name it. You know what's funny? He kind of sounds like Rick. He does. Like he'll he'll go off if like there'll be a little moment where he'll go on a little tangent and it sort of sounds like the verbiage he uses and even the vo- the way his voice sounds kind of sounds a little bit like Rick. That's kind of funny. And one's a California guy, one's an East Coaster. But yeah, I could see that. It's almost like we come from working together. You kind of pick up little tendencies and little things. <laughs> Absolutely, so, uh, you do. I could kind of see that, man. I could kind of hear that for sure. So really quickly, Gino, you know, if it, isn't it soon for the Raiders to get rid of Mayock if that ends up being the case? It seems like it just got there. Right, it does. Uh, and, and, and it's and funny because... And he did with the draft picks and with the trades that he got skewered for. But I mean, outside of Antonio Brown... You know, I know it didn't build the defense that they wanted, but it's funny because if if you just looked at the way like the numbers and and where they ended and you said this was how their season was going to end, it would have been like, okay, that's that's probably about where they should have been. It was just the way it happened. Right. When they when they had such a good start and you get to the point again for the second year where you're in a row where you're in a spot to control your own destiny and make the playoff. And then you have just some bad losses like the the bad losses like the biggest moment of your year the game that obviously jumps off the page is you you know you lose to the Chiefs you got a game on the road against Atlanta it's the most like perfect example of a trap game I bet Atlanta that day I thought Atlanta I mean it just because they're going to be coming off of that game it's a mental like emotional game that you get high for for playing the Chiefs you lose and then you got to go on the road and play an Atlanta team that can actually score a little bit and it was just a spot they got crushed and and that to me is one of those games that you have to circle and say how how were they as a staff not ready and that is that that's Mayock's fault I don't like I don't blame that on him no, and even even the Jets game, I mean, granted, the Jets played their best football probably in the last 30% of their season. Yeah, they did. They played you know? a pretty good game. Like, they should have won that game, and they should have beaten three decent it football had, teams. I mean, how does a hot, you know, at that time, the Raiders looked like they'd be rolling into the playoffs. You know, right when, look, when that game happened, that's when I started scratching my head and saying, I don't know about this team, right? Because, you know this, we talk about this all the time. Good teams take care of business. And yeah, sure, scoreboard-wise, they won. But, I mean, they lost that game. They they did not beat the Jets. You know, they got more points, fortunately for them. But they made, they were very sloppy, turned over the ball a lot, made a lot of mistakes. And, uh, quite frankly, their defense didn't get a lot of stops. Yeah, and so that's that's why this team isn't in the playoffs this week. But we have a good uh, good uh, slate of games. You want to roll through them? Well, hey, like, let, me, let me call myself out on something. Yeah. You know, because uh, some, you know, when when we uh, we make good predictions, we'll uh, we'll 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 let the listeners know, or or uh, you know, kind of highlight that uh, three predictions for me that went down in flames. Raiders, 
Dolphins in Arizona. I mean, those all look really, really good. They were. Yeah, they were myself in the back. Back. Hey, they were playing great. You know, your, your football intuition is is spot on this year. Week and ten, then, man, you were looking great. Like all three, and all three of them. Disaster. Each team. All three of them were looking great. Let me give you my my bad one. You're okay. still alive with your uh, your weekly uh, with your yearly uh, uh, prediction of the Chief Saints, <laughs> which I think you've had three years in a row. So you're still. Yeah, yeah. I picked yeah. the Cowboys Ravens. So oh. the Cowboys didn't even make the playoffs. Now I guess we can give it a little bit of a mulligan because it, as bad as this division was, I think with Dak they would have made the playoffs I, and they would they would have gotten in there. So I don't feel quite as bad, but Hey, I don't even have a team alive. One of my teams already out. And there was, there was a few weeks where it was looking like neither of those teams were going to make the playoffs. Like the Ravens had to win a few games at the end in order to sneak in. So I could have been without both of my Super Bowl prediction teams, even making the playoffs that would have looked bad. So, Hey, you, you know, know what? You said that about Dak, you know, you know what really, uh, you know, what struck my mind right now, just as we're talking here. That division was, was a big-time mess, but not just was it a big-time mess on both sides of the ball. There wasn't a team that had a quarterback play throughout. Right. Every team had at least two quarterbacks having significant time, if not and more. Washington had three. The Giants had two. Philly had three take snaps this year because yep. Sudfeld just did. Um, and I don't, I'm not sure if the Giants had a third, but definitely Colt, McCoy, and, uh, and, and Jones. And the three for Washington with Haskins, with uh, McKinney, and with, or uh, uh, Heineke, and with Alex Smith. And mm-hmm. then the, the, the Cowboys had four, I think, right? They had Gilbert. Uh, Glenn Gil- Gilbert started a game for them. Danucci and oh, Dalton. Danucci, I almost about him completely. Yeah, Dalton and, uh, and then Dak. So they <laughs> had... About yeah. That yeah that's that's four that's a yeah. lot of key the division so as much as we give them crap like a, a lot of those teams had a lot of issues to deal with they really did you know like all simultaneously so um you want to roll through and, and make our predictions yeah let's do it why don't you go ahead and get started with the saturday game and i'll follow okay so opening game indy buffalo if you can find this a, a seven point spread out there which it, there were earlier in the week right now buffalo is six and a half i would play indy thinking they can keep it close I, this is one of those games where i feel like if buffalo wins then they're gonna they could win the whole thing but i think getting through the first one for josh allen is going to be a little bit of a mental thing because of his bad game last year so i think this is a back and forth game i think it's close whoever gets the ball last with a chance to win i think buffalo wins a close one, maybe by a field goal, but give me Indy and the points here, especially if you can find the the plus seven. I, I, I the Bills win, the Bills cover. That's kind of how I see it. Colts left a really, really bad taste in my mouth in the uh, Steelers game, and uh, I think they're the best in their comfort zone in the dome. And uh, when they're when they're on the road, I don't really trust them. So Bills win, Bills cover. Rams at Seattle. We're gonna have to go quick. We only have about four minutes left to hit to get through. So, uh, I, I just t- too many questions for me about the about the Rams with with Goff not looking good. With uh, you know, not sure what they're gonna have quarterback, but does look like they're gonna get get cut back. I, I think Seattle wins this game. I, I do. So, unfortunately, I think Seattle's the, the the right team here. Well, we'll see if offense wins over defense because uh, each team has a good unit on both on on one side of the ball. Uh, I'll take the Seahawks, although. I like the Seahawks, and and uh, I predicted them to be the division winner. But I'm a little bit concerned because if it's a divisional matchup, and these teams know each other really, really well. But I'll take a slight lean Seahawks minus three. 
Tampa-Washington. I mentioned this one earlier. I think Washington can cover, but I think Tampa wins. They're an eight-point underdog at home with a really good defense in, in order and good enough to keep this game close. Washington covers, but Tampa wins. Washington covers, Tampa wins. Me too. We move to Sunday. We've got Baltimore at Tennessee. Um, I think this is the the opportunity for Baltimore to to bounce back now. They've lost to Tennessee the last two times. In the regular season, it was one of those deceiving games. Baltimore was up early, and they they just kind of got flat. They did not play well late, but... Tennessee's defense is so bad They are one of the bottom five defenses in the league And their pass defense is atrocious I think this gives Baltimore an opportunity And Lamar to throw the ball He doesn't have to be pinpoint accurate Against a really bad Tennessee secondary Give me the Ravens here I think they win and cover Uh, This is a head-to-head between us then Because I think Titans getting the three I think they win straight up at home Against the Ravens and two final games on Sunday. We've got Chicago at New Orleans. This one, is, I just, as far as the line, I wouldn't lay 10. I wouldn't bet this game betting the Saints as a 10-point favorite. I don't think they lose this game. But I would, you know, the Saints could be up by 16 and Chicago could score a garbage touchdown and end up losing the game by 9. That's why that big of a spread scares me a little bit. I just think Chicago won't be able to move the ball here very much offensively against the excellent New Orleans defense. Uh, The Saints win this game, but I wouldn't really want to play the number on either side. One of my favorite games of the weekend. Saints win 35-13. to They covered that 10 with ease. And Cleveland-Pittsburgh. We've got Pittsburgh, you know, as the home team here, and Cleveland dealing with all the COVID issues. Kevin Stefanski will not be there. He, I don't think he will even be allowed to be in contact with the team, which sort of feels like it stinks. Uh, and I think Cleveland's still going to keep this close. I really do. I think it's going to be closer. I'm not sure if they win, but give me Cleveland plus six. The the last two games, Saints and this game here, my favorite two of the weekend, without hesitation, Cleveland plus six. Division matchup. They know each other really well. I think six points is a lot. Steelers have been very unimpressive in, uh, in recent weeks, probably in the last month and a half or so. Give me Cleveland plus six. We finished that up perfectly. Uh, Going to be the first time ever where we have an extra game in the wild card round, extra two games because uh, we've got you know just a bigger, bigger playoff field this year. I'm excited to see how it goes, Mike, and uh, look forward to recapping these games and talk about who's moving on next week. Absolutely. Uh, one last thing, I'll take Ohio State plus the eight points in what should be a tremendous national championship game. And uh, Gino, we will get some information out for the. Uh, NFL fantasy playoffs. Follow us on Twitter. Yeah, we will uh, fill you in as always. Thank you for listening. We'll be here. Same time, same place next weekend. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern time and 4 p.m. Pacific time for another show with Mike and his co-host Gino Bacola on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.